What is up, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the FanCast Live Podcast. I'm yours truly, Giancarlo. Tomorrow, April the 7th, is opening day. The New York Mets will be in D.C. to face off against the Washington Nationals. Uh, Quick uh, lineup changes tomorrow for the New York Mets. It will not be Jacob deGrom as the opening day starter. Neither will it be Max Scherzer. Instead, it will be Tyler McGill. That's right. I said Tyler McGill. Now, I'm surprised to hear that news today because of the fact that you still have Cookie Carrasco and you still have Taiwan Walker on the roster who could potentially start that game one against the Nationals. But I have to assume that neither Carrasco or Taiwan Walker are ready, maybe. They, they probably haven't been stretched out far enough in order to get the start in game one of the season. Maybe Tyler McGill is way ahead of them in, in, in that uh, regard. So it's going to be Tyler McGill. The other change for tomorrow's game is instead of a 3 o'clock start, it's going to be a 7.05 start. Uh, I guess they're pushing the game back to 7 p.m. because of the weather that's going through the Washington, D.C. area. That weather is probably going to be here in New York at some point tomorrow, maybe all day tomorrow. So um, Patrick Corbin is going to be on the mound for the Washington Nationals. This is going to be his first opening day start since, I think, 2017, 2018 when he was with the D-backs. He's going to be probably facing a right-handed heavy Mets lineup. Um, I know Brandon Nimmo may or may not start in tomorrow's game in center field. He's um, uh, He's been experiencing experiencing some uh, neck stiffness the last couple of days. They gave him a quarter zone shot from what I heard to try to uh, uh, alleviate the pain, uh, but I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for opening day tomorrow. Uh, if he doesn't go in center field, Marte, I'm sure, is going to get the nod in center field tomorrow with possibly Janikowski, Jankowski, whatever his name is, uh, getting the start in right field, or maybe they'll put Marquena in right field and put Jankowski in left. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work out. Either way, if Brandon Nimmo is ready to go tomorrow, I'm sure he's going to lead off and play center field. I still don't know why exactly the Mets signed Stalling Marte to play center field, but yet he's not playing center. He's going to be in right field if Brandon Nimmo starts tomorrow. Nimmo is going to be in center field. I really don't get it. I I I know the age might be something that the Mets are looking at here. Maybe they, they feel that Marte may, may have lost a step uh, with age. I don't believe that to be the case because, quite honestly, he played in center field last year for both the Marlins and the A's, and he was superb defensively. So I don't know where the Mets are coming from as far as Marte playing in right field. Francisco Lindor, obviously, is going to be a short Pete Alonso is going to be playing first base. J.D. Davis may get the D.H. Um, at bats tomorrow because of the left-hander on the mound. Otherwise, it'd probably either be Cano or someone else. It'd probably be Cano or Dom Smith. Uh, Eduardo Escobar is going to be playing third base and bat sixth. Mark Kana is most likely going to play in left field and bat seventh. Jeff McNeil, who's uh, one of the only left-handers, 
along with Brandon Nimmo if he makes the lineup tomorrow. Are, are probably going to be the only two left-handers in the lineup. And then uh, followed by James McCann bat ninth and catching behind the plate. So Tyler McGill tomorrow is going to get this start on opening day for the New York Mets. Uh, he was a guy that, um, you know, because of injuries last year, was forced into, you know, the rotation. And to be quite honest with you, he didn't do too bad of a job. Uh, I know he had a pretty good ERA earlier on in the season, and then it, uh, uh, as he got more work, his ERA started to come up as he started to uh, accumulate more and more innings. But um, I'm not... I'm not all too concerned about Tyler McGill playing, you know, game one. It's just one game. Um, you know, if, if if we're lucky, you know, he'll perform up to expectations and at least give the Mets five or six strong innings and keep the Mets in the game and allow the offense to do the rest and, you know, and try to get a win out of game one of the season with Max Scherzer looming in game two against the Nationals on Friday. So that's, uh, that's the one uh, bit of good news that we're getting right now out of Mets camp is the fact that Max Scherzer, who was dealing with a hamstring, with hamstring tightness, not even a pull. It wasn't a tear. It wasn't a pull. It was just some tightness that he was dealing with through camp. And the Mets felt that they wanted to give him uh, you know an extra day or two of rest before they put him on the mound for game two of the season. Obviously, game three on Sunday is going to be Chris Bassett. Uh, I don't know who his opponent is going to be on Sunday, but quite honestly, that's not too bad. Maybe you start with Tyler McGill instead of finishing with Tyler McGill in this series, and then you know, um, you know, go with Carrasco and Taiwan Walker going into the second series of the season. So that is what is going to happen for tomorrow. So Tyler Miguel is going to get the opening day start. The game has been pushed from 3.05 to 7.05 because of the weather that's going through the area right now. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's no big surprises here. Uh, I'm glad to hear that Max Scherzer is going to be ready to go on Friday. Um, we were all obviously hoping that he was going to go in game one, you know, to guarantee us a win. But to me, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, whether Scherzer goes game one or game two, it really doesn't matter. I'm just hoping that the Mets take two of three here in his first series of the of the of the season, you know, and, and get off to a good start. You just want to get off. You just want to get out of the gate, you know, running. You just want to get out of the gate and start winning. You don't want to get out of the gate and lose two of three, or, or even get swept by the Nationals here, who um, have no business taking two of three or even sweeping the Mets at this point to start the season so um listen high expectations here for the new york mets this this year there's no doubt about it uh steve cohen who is now in his what third season as owner of the new york mets has gone out and spent over 250 260 million dollars to bring in some uh top-notch players max scherzer obviously one of them he he threw a lot of money at him 43 million dollars i think uh, is the aav on uh max scherzer's contract for the next three seasons he went and got Mar uh, stalling Marte. he went and got marcana he went out and get eduardo uh escobar and then he went and traded for chris bassett 
and to solidify and you know this rotation and give it more depth. You went and signed Adovino to to the bullpen. You got a lot of uh, you know guys coming back. You do uh, you do lose Aaron Loop. You do lose Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, and so on and so forth. But quite honestly, when you compare this roster to that of last year in 2021, you as a Met fan have to feel extremely good about the direction of this team at this point. This is a win-now team. Steve Cohen had said something about, you know, winning a World Series. Maybe he was kidding. Maybe he was not within the first five years of him becoming owner. Um, he w- he wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding. Uh, an owner doesn't go and spend $265 million during the offseason to just put fans in the seats. You know, something that the, the Wilpons used to do all the time. They used to go out and sign the one, you know, big free agent, you know, to get things stirred up and get the fans buying tickets and filling the seats and making their money and putting it right back in their pockets because they really gave two shits whether or not they won. Steve Cohen is not that type of owner. Steve Cohen wants to win. He wants to consistently win. Okay, he wants to win a World Series. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts about it. This is not a team. This is not an owner. And this is not a front office uh, as as it has been in the past. The Wilpon era is gone. It's finished. It's kaput. This is the Steve Cohen era now. So say what you want. Same old Mets. Maybe they're not the same old Mets. You know, last year they led the division for 103 games. And then, you know, use whatever excuse you want. They did face a lot of adversity, but they don't want to use that as an excuse. The only thing that really probably hurt the Mets the most is the depth in the rotation last year. Because as long as the injuries were to the everyday players, the Mets had enough depth to withstand that adversity and get something out of those guys that were on the bench that they brought in, the Kevin Pillars. You know, those are the guys that really excelled on this New York Mets roster last year. But then when the injury bug started to hit the rotation... And and it's not like it didn't do it early on in the season because it did because the Mets lose. Um, well, they didn't get Syndergaard until later on in the season, way later on in the season, September, and he didn't even pitch as a starter. He pitched out of the bullpen. Carrasco didn't come back to the rotation until later on in the season. You lose um, Dave Peterson. Um, Taiwan Walker had a, a phenomenal first half of the season to which he made the all-star team. He wasn't voted in, but he took Jacob DeGrom's spot. And once the All-Star break came around, Taiwan Walker just fell on his face. He tripped and fell. Don't know what happened. But either way, it, it it's, it's not what Mets fans expected. Maybe he was dealing with some issues that we didn't know about. I don't know. You lose Jacob DeGrom in the second half of the season... 
inflammation in the elbow, the forearm, you name it. He was done for the season, never came back. The Mets were never able to get over that. Once you lose the Grom, he's your ace, you're done, you're finished. That division lead started to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then before you knew it, the Atlanta Braves were just passing us right by. They win the division. They get to the World Series and win. Okay, that was a team that at the trade deadline picked up some very nice players. And those players carried their that team on their backs all the way to the World Series. I've been saying it for years that the Mets should take a page out of the Atlanta Braves book because I think the Atlanta Braves are built to score runs, okay? They have a good enough rotation to get you six to seven innings, keep you in the game, and allow the offense to do the rest. That is how the Atlanta Braves are built. And I've been saying it for years now that the Mets should be built that way. But the Mets continue to focus so much on their rotation and their starting pitching and would not focus enough on their offense. And we saw it the last two, three seasons to where they struggled with runners in scoring position. They struggled to get runners in. They struggled to hit home runs. They struggled to hit extra base hits. They struggled to hit when it really mattered the most. No, There were barely any clutch hits in the last couple of seasons. And it hurt the Mets so much. But yet, they continued to focus on pitching, 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 and no offense. This year, they lose Conforto. No big deal. He is still a free agent out there, mind you. For those of you who don't know, Michael Conforto is still out there as a free agent. The story on him right now is, is that he hurt his shoulder or something during a workout while he was um, getting ready for the season. And that is one of the reasons why teams shot away from him. But now supposedly he's healthy and he's ready to sign. The fact of the matter is, is there are a lot of teams that can use a power-hitting left-handed hitter and yet, Michael Conforto is still sitting on the sidelines. Michael Conforto could, should be, could be a great fit for the New York Yankees, and yet they didn't inquire about him. He could be a good fit for the Boston Red Sox, and yet they didn't inquire about him. There has to be a team out there that needs a power-hitting left-handed bat and an outfielder. And Michael Conforto is a nice player. Don't get me wrong. But as far as the New York the New York Mets are concerned, that ship has sailed. Unless there's an injury in the outfield to where Nimmo will lose a, a significant amount of time, Amarte will lose a significant amount of time, or Kana will lose time, whatever the case may be, I don't see Conforto being a fit in New York anymore. 
No way. Even on a one-year deal. And even if the Mets, just hypothetically, let's just say the Mets do sign him to a one-year deal, how is he a fit on this team? How are you going to find at-bats for Michael Conforto? It just would not work out. It just wouldn't. You have enough DHs on this team with, with Cano, Davis, and Smith. You don't need another one. It's it's hard enough for Buckshaw Walter to find at-bats for these guys. Just imagine having a Michael Conforto in the mix. If anything right now, the New York Mets, with Jacob DeGrom being out, possibly until June, because they're shutting him down for four weeks, they're going to reevaluate him after four weeks. I'm sure they'll give him an MRI after the four weeks to make sure that that um, inflammation has gone down. If that inflammation has gone down and he's clean, they'll probably allow him to throw a bullpen session to see if he has any setbacks. And, you know, you got to keep your fingers crossed that nothing happens and that DeGrom is going to be allowed to resume baseball activities and start to prepare himself for his first start of the season, which should be at some point at the beginning of June. But, and it's a big but, what if, and there's a lot of ifs on this team, what if Jacob DeGrom does have a setback and he shut down for another month, maybe another two months, and before you know it, it's July, September, and he hasn't even gotten a start yet, and the Mets are in the middle of a playoff push. Do you even think that maybe Jacob DeGrom is not going to be back? Maybe at the trade deadline, the Mets, Steve Cohen, Billy Epler will have to go and get themselves a top-of-the-line rotation pitcher. Who that's going to be, I have no idea. So those are things that the Mets are going to have to keep in the back of their minds at least for the first two two months of the season here. They need to they need to pray that Jacob DeGrom somehow somewhere gets back to 100% health and gets back on the mound for the New York Mets. Because it will be a huge disappointment if Jacob DeGrom does not pitch this year. And even with Scherzer and Bassett at the top of the rotation, the Mets, you know, may or may not make the playoffs. It all it's all gonna come down to the offense. Because as far as pitching is concerned, even if you don't have Jacob the ground for the first two months of the season, if the offense clicks right out of the gate, this Mets team should win a lot of games to start the season. It should. But that offense needs to click. It has to come out of the gate. It has to. It has to. It has to come out of the gate shooting. There can't be any discussions 
on why the Mets aren't scoring with runners in scoring position, why the Mets are suffering with runners on base. You know, runners on base and one out, runners on base and no outs, runners on base and two outs. These are, these are not the discussions I want to have during the course of the season. With the money that Cohen went out and spent, this team should be a lot better offensively. Now, I expect big things from Stalin Marte. Granted, he's, what, 32, 33 years old now? He he led the league with 47 stolen bases last year. Well, actually, he led the majors. This is why I don't understand why he's not playing center field. But either way, I expect big things from Stalling Marte. Mark Cana, to me, is a right-handed version of Michael Conforto. That's basically what he is. He's going to give you uh, anywhere from, I don't know, 18 to 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 home runs if, if he's lucky. I'll take 25 and 80 RBIs from Marcana. I don't care that he hits 265, 270, because that's basically what Michael Conforto was hitting just from the left side of the, the plate. Francisco Lindor is the guy I'm looking at this year. He is the one that's making the money, okay? Now, with all these new bats in the lineup, a lot of the pressure has to come off of Francisco Lindor. And because all the pressure is off of Francisco Lindor, because you have Marte and Cana and Escobar, you still have Pete Alonso. Okay, you still have McNeil. You still have a lot of good hitters on his team. Francisco Lindor is the guy who I think needs to have a huge turnaround this year. And I'm talking 30 to 35 home runs and 85 to 95 RBIs. Throw in another 25 to 30 stolen bases, superb defense, and I think Francisco Lindor is your New York Mets MVP. It's not going to be Scherzer. It's not going to be Jacob. It's not going to be Bassett. It's going to be Francisco Lindor. If it's not Pete Alonso, it's going to be Francisco Lindor. I think Francisco Lindor needs to have a huge comeback season. Huge. This is his first year of his 10-year extension. Last year was still his old contract. This is year one of his 34 point whatever million dollars a year he's getting from Steve Cohen. So he needs to have a huge season for the New York Mets. And I think he will. I think he will. I really do think he will. Pete Alonso, man, he'll give you 255, 260. And I'm really looking for anywhere between 40 and 45 home runs and 115 and 120 RBIs from this guy. He's a beast. Everybody talks about his defense at first base. Forget his defense at first base. His defense has been predominantly average, 
but good enough to get the job done. Okay, he's made some really good plays at first base, and yeah, he's mad. He's made a couple of bad, bad ones, but I think he's done more good than bad at first base to even consider making a change at first base defensively. But he is going to be a beast. Alonzo, Lindor, Marte, they're going to be the difference makers in this lineup. Marte is going to add some speed. I like to see Nimmo steal some bases. I tell you something, and it's funny I heard this the other day. He can run really fast, and he can run really hard to first base after he draws a walk. But he makes a lot of boneheaded mistakes on the base paths once he gets to first base. Now, I find that to be true because he has made some boneheaded mistakes running the bases. I was expecting Marte to be the leadoff guy coming into the season. But it looks like it's going to be Nimmo, which is fine because Nimmo is going to be the guy who draws the walks. He'll get the first, and Marte will probably – Marte, the way he hits, he can drive him in for first base, from first base because Nimmo's got plenty of speed. He can score from first base. But see, the thing is I would rather see Marte leading off because, number one, he can, he can put one in a gap and lead off with a double. Allowing Nimmo to swing away instead of trying to draw a walk. He would be more willing to swing the bat to try to try to drive that run in. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Because that's the way I would want it to, to work. Get Marte to lead off with a, a single or a double. Get Nimmo to get up there and swing the bat instead of trying to draw a walk. Because, quite honestly, every time I see Nimmo lead off a game, he's looking to draw a walk. Why are you looking to draw a walk? Be a bit more aggressive at the plate. Swing away. Get the ball in a gap. Get a single. Get a double. Get a triple. Do whatever you want. Even hit a home run for crying out loud. But I like to see him swing the bat more. His strikeouts have come down as of late, which is great. His on his on base percentage has been phenomenal. But you know what? It's not all about on base percentage. It's being aggressive on the bases, and it's being aggressive getting at the, you know, at the plate. But Francisco Lindor at number three, he's at hitting number three. He's going to get plenty of opportunities to drive runs in. He's going to get plenty of opportunities with Nimmo and Marte in front of him, and that's why I think Francisco Lindor is in a good spot at number three with Marte and Nimmo ahead of him in the lineup. It's going to be a phenomenal season for Francisco Lindor. I guarantee it. Now, obviously, the rest of the lineup is going to be pretty solid. I mean, you got Eduardo Escobar at third base. You got Jeff McNeil at second, who played, a, I, I think, a pretty good second base last year. Uh, I mean... Can't get any better than that. You got 
Nimmo, Marte, Kena in in the outfield. I think this is a pretty solid defensive team. Probably one of the better outfields we've had in quite some time because if you remember the last two, three years, we've been experimenting with Dom Smith and J.D. Davis in left field. You know, you, you've had Conforto in right field, so you never had to make a change over there. And, you know, the Mets have been looking for a center fielder up until they sign Marte, and then all of a sudden it's Nimmo playing center field and not Marte. So I just I just don't get that. Now, the pitching is obviously the biggest concern for the New York Mets. Obviously, we're going to miss the ground for the first two months. Scherzer's going to be okay. He's going to get the start in the second game of the season. And then, obviously, we're waiting on Taiwan Walker and Cookie Carrasco to stretch themselves out enough to go beyond six innings. To, I should say five innings. So as long as everyone stays healthy from this point going forward, I think the Mets will be just fine because they have plenty of depth at the starting at the starting pitching position. I mean, you would you would have loved to have started the season with Degrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, and Walker, but Degrom is gone for the first two months. You still have Lucchese still recovering from Tommy John, and you got Tylo Miguel. Who's going to start opening day? You still have Dave Peterson, Trevor Williams, and you have Yamamoto. That's not bad depth. Not at all. Lucchese's got plenty of Major League Baseball experience. Peterson, you know, in his first uh, in his first two seasons, got plenty of experience. McGill got his, got his, some experience last year. Williams has been there before. Yamamoto's been there before. So it's not like these guys don't have Major League Baseball experience. They all do. They've all started games at the Major League Baseball level. I can definitely see the Mets go out and get additional pitching depth and for the starting rotation. But the Mets have so many arms in the bullpen, they can always slip in a bullpen game. Diaz, Lugo, May... Castro is gone. Castro was just traded to the Yankees. You know, you have Adovino, you have Drew Smith, Reed Foley. You know, you just got Rodriguez in that Castro trade. The Yankees got acquired Castro from the Mets. The Mets got Rodriguez. For some reason, I'm not remembering his first name right now, but he's a left-handed reliever. Um, I don't really know much about him, to be quite honest with you. I've never even seen him pitch. I really don't follow the American League all that much, and I don't follow the Yankees at all. So I don't know what this kid is going to offer. I don't even know if he's going to make the opening day roster. I think Shreve, if anything, should make the roster ahead of everybody else as a left-hander. I think he's earned it, and I would, at this point, trust Shreve over Rodriguez right now because I know what Shreve can offer. I don't know much about Rodriguez right now. The bench, the, the bench once again, should be strong. I mean, you got J.D. Davis, Dom Smith, Luis Guillorme, Tomas Nito, 
I think Jankowski is going to make the team. I don't know about Nick Plummer. I think Nick Plummer might go down to the minors. Khalil Lee is going to probably start at AAA. So there's a little depth in the outfield there. But you do have J.D. Davis and Dom Smith who have had experience in, in, in the outfield uh, uh, predominantly in left field. You know, Jankowski I think is going to be a uh, fourth outfielder. He's got some speed. He can steal bases. He can wreak havoc on the base paths. But the, the problem is, is he doesn't get on base enough to, um, you know, do some damage. But I think the Mets are going to be okay. And then, of course, you got Robinson Cano. How can we forget Robinson Cano? You know, Robinson Cano, uh, during the uh, tail end of spring training, started to get some some um, some playing time at first base because obviously, you know, the, the Mets have been shopping Dom Smith. They had uh, a trade proposal with the San Diego Padres. The Mets were actually going to acquire um, Chris Paddock, uh, Emilio Pagan, I think it was, and Eric Hos- Hosmer, the first baseman. So, yeah, Eric Hosmer was going to come back. He's got four years of four years. $59 million left on his contract, but the San Diego Padres were willing to take up mo- most of it. I think the Mets were going to be paying $6.25 million of what was left on his yearly average. But then I read, I think it was the New York Post, I read an article that uh, discussed the reason why the trade between the Padres and the Mets fell through. And the reason why it fell through is because there was a clause in Eric Hosmer's contract that said that if he was traded, that a clause in his contract would kick in a no-trade clause. Con- um, a no-trade clause would kick in on his contract if he would be traded, which means the Mets would not be able to flip him to another team. And supposedly, according to that New York Post article, the Mets were actually looking to flip Eric Hosmer to another team. Now, who that other team was going to be, I have no idea. It wasn't mentioned in the article. And I think ultimately what nicks this deal altogether was that clause in Eric Hosmer's contract. So, But the other thing about that deal was the fact that it wasn't a deal being... Um, um, it was a deal that was proposed before the Jacob deGrom injury. So this was not something that transpired because of the Jacob deGrom injury. It was something that was sitting on Steve Cohen's desk for his approval. And once he got wind of the fact that Eric Hosmer had this clause, or supposedly has this clause in his contract, that uh, he uh, a no-trade clause would kick in, that I think Steve Cohen probably thought it was a better idea not to go through with this trade. And um, I think the reason for the trade was to get Chris Paddock more so for pitching depth than to replace Jacob deGrom is what I'm actually trying to say here. So that was that. So as far as 2022 is concerned, listen... 
We we started on the wrong foot with Jacob DeGrom losing the first two months of the season. You can't do anything about that. There's nothing you can do. There was no way of knowing that Jacob DeGrom, well, well maybe there was, because he's he's been injury-prone the last two last season and a half. I mean, he had the elbow problem, the forearm problem, the sh- the uh, the oblique problem, you know, sw- supposedly from swinging away with the bat. He, you know how Jacob DeGrom loves to swing. You know how he loves to come to the plate and hit. He takes great pride in that, and ultimately that bit him in the ass. But do we really know for sure if that's what really caused the oblique injury? Uh, you know, the forearm injury, I'm sure, had something to do with his pitching. Listen, he's been throwing extremely hard, extremely hard the last two seasons. I mean, he's clocking out at 101, 102 on a radar gun. And when you are putting so much torque into a pitch, <laughs> you're you're making your body do things it cannot do or it should not do or doesn't want to do. And you're putting stress on some muscles and some bones in your body that don't normally, can't normally withstand so much of it and I think that because Jacob DeGrom has been throwing extremely hard the last couple of seasons it's starting to catch up to him it really has but Mets fans have to really hope and pray that the Jacob DeGrom injury is where they draw the line that's it no more injuries Please, no more injuries. Because we cannot, Mets fans, cannot withstand another season of continuous um, continuous players going on the IL like they did. Last year, they had 17 players at one time. For a day, for one day at least last year, they had 17 players on the IL. 17. I mean, they faced a lot of adversity last year, and they had a lot of injuries, and they could they, they were able to sustain it for so long until they just could not any longer. They just couldn't do it. Once the injury bug started to hit the rotation, it was over for the New York Mets. They had plenty of opportunities during the course of the 2021 season to stretch their lead in the NL East to the point where it was just unsurmountable. And they just were not able to do that ever. The most I think they had, the biggest lead I think they had in the division was, I think, seven games. Seven, if I remember correctly, it was seven games. Otherwise, it was five and a half is the most they ever had, the the biggest lead they ever had in, in 2021. And you cannot, you cannot hold on to a five and a half game lead for the entire season and then start to see your players, specifically those in your starting rotation, go down with injuries and think that, and think for a second that you're going to be able to hold on to that five and a half game lead. There's no way. The Atlanta Braves 
took the opportunity to make some deadline moves last year, knowing, knowing that the New York Mets were in trouble. They don't make those trades. The Atlanta Braves, trust me on this one. Trust me on this one. If the Mets have a healthy rotation with Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Cookie Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, and Marcus Stroman, and had a five-and-a-half game lead with, I don't know, 30 games, 40, 50 games left, I don't think for a second the Atlanta Braves make the deals that they made at the deadline knowing that the Mets are healthy in a rotation. They make those deals specifically because the New York Mets were falling apart at the seams. Say what you want, but that's exactly what the Braves did at the deadline last year. They saw a window of opportunity, they took a chance, and they succeeded by winning the World Series. And why? Because they saw that the New York Mets were about to take a dive. They could see that the Mets were about to fall apart. They were, they were about to come apart at the seams. And they did it rather quickly. They led the division for 103 games in a row. 103 games out of the season. They led the NL East. And then at the very end, could not hang on to that five-and-a-half game lead. Jacob deGrom goes down at the All-Star break. Taiwan Walker isn't the same pitcher in the second half as he was in the first. Cookie Carrasco never regained his form. Marcus Stroman as um, uh, dominating as he was could not get out of the fifth inning ever. There's a lot of things that went wrong for the New York Mets last year. But I guarantee you that if the Mets stayed healthy, the Braves don't make those deals at the trade deadline. Now, they don't become sellers. I'm not saying they were going to sell. But I guarantee you they don't make those trades. And they don't win the division. And they don't make the World Series. Maybe the Mets do. Maybe the Mets don't. I'm not saying the Mets would have. Because the Dodgers were still the team to beat. And the Braves beat them. All right, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys did enjoy that. Check me out at anchor.fm slash fancastlive for more episodes like this. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Let's go Mets. Peace out, everybody.